What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Hockey presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and this right here, this is Frankie Mueller. And Frank, you might notice the intro is a little different because we don't have all three of us here today. Joseph Parisi is missing. We hope to have him back soon enough. We'll see if he's able to pop in later, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, Frank, how you doing, man? Good. Do you remember the uh, conversation we had last week on what we were going to do this week? conversation about what we were going to do this week on the podcast uh, fill me in um we we're gonna wear a hat that nobody knew the other person had and i said i'd be the only one who would remember oh well luckily I enough i think i'm wearing a hat that i'm not sure you know exists but you might know it exists you, you might have seen me wearing it a recent time i visited a major league baseball stadium but i don't know actually so All I right, just, so first hat that you – yeah, lay it on me. Not, not a lot of people know I have this. I mean, you're probably going to be pretty surprised. I think it's really cool. but uh, Ah. Winter, 2015 Winter Classic hat. <clears throat> Washington Capitals, Chicago Blackhawks. I haven't worn this in years. It's been tucked away secretly in uh, where all my other hats are. That's probably the most interesting – unique winter classic of all time nationals park between the capitals and the blackhawks like i don't know that that was just a weird winter classic for me yeah it, it was uh i enjoyed it it was weird when they announced it i wasn't expecting it that they were going to announce the blackhawks and the capitals but i bet you didn't know i had this hat i did not know you had this hat and now that i think about it i've worn this hat that i'm wearing on this show before because it was one of the only hats I had available to me when I did wear it. And then today I was kind of scrambling, so I just threw it backwards. I got the Brew Crew hat rocking. So oh, yeah, I've seen that. I'm not here to talk any shit. Socks are losing 10 to nothing as we speak, because Dallas Keuchel doesn't know how to pitch, and they can't play defense around him. So they're going to be six. Winning, though, so you're wearing the right hat. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, this is a doubleheader, so the White Sox will be after the first game, 6-4, and four, which – Every team in the American League has five losses, except for the White Sox, who don't even have four yet. They will yeah. after today. But, you know, not every game's perfect, but, you know, you keep moving along. You hope that some of these stingers don't last and pick up nasty habits and stuff. Appreciate um, it, Aldo. Yeah, Aldo thinks you win the Bar Down Award for best hats. I concur. I have a lot of hats, too, that not a lot of people know about. Because I have the hats I keep down here that are like my going out hats that I'll rotate. It will go in like a cycle or, you know, I like to match. So I'll pick out hats according on based on what I'm wearing. But I also have like 20 hats upstairs in a closet completely like shelled off from any sunlight that nobody really knows about that I bust out for purposes like this. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Joe Mandel, I love you, too, very much. Um I, I wonder how many hats I have. It's probably about 100. I probably have like 40. 50. Yeah, that's a lot of hats between me, you, and Joey. And, you know, Definitely I love got a few hundred between the three of us. 100%. And I'm never going to stop buying them. So I need you know. more. I need more now, like a new one. I'm yeah, craving for I, a new one. Every time I get a new hat, I love wearing it. This is my newest hat. Which What's is your most I, recent one? Oh, that one? I think it's the Brew Crew hat, yeah. I think I really want... I really want the White Sox batting practice and clubhouse. Joey bought both. I don't so. know what mine is. Mine might be the Bucks. Oh, yeah. Maybe. 
for sure. I oh, no, no, the Kraken, right the Kraken, the Kraken, the Kraken. Okay. I know you ain't wearing the Bucks one right now. No. No. No, no, no. Make sure you listen to all the great Bull shows on this program as the Bucks or the Bulls try to avoid just a disaster of a series against the Milwaukee Bucks. The first game was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed that. I thought the Bulls were going to win. I was like, let's go. They had a lead. I know. And and not only did they have a lead, they had a lead that they like kind of needed to make a sick comeback to even think about having. They were getting killed early on. I think they were like 10 and a half the game opened up in. I'm like, okay, that's a lot of points to give up. I mean, and they covered. Um, they don't. They're not getting a lot of respect because they were so dog meat going into the playoffs. They were like, yeah. the second half of the season was so bad. Yeah. Um, and they don't have Lonzo Ball. And they don't have Lonzo Ball, and they're you know they they've been faced with a lot of injuries this season. Um, but I don't know. I don't think they're going to get swept. I've had arguments about them getting swept. Um, the the Phoenix Suns couldn't even sweep the the Pelicans. Pelicans yeah. won by eleven yesterday. It's hard yeah. to sweep. It's hard to sweep. It happens in the NBA more than any other sport that plays series in the playoffs. Um, I don't know where I stand on that. I initially thought the Bulls might get swept. Uh, I think five is being generous, but also like the way they played in game one, it's like, hey, Wait you know, that was on the road. When they come home, can they get one? I don't know. If the Bucks blow them out tonight and really take the wind out of their sails, then I think that'll uh, be a little bit of a different story. But Joe wants to know if Patrick Kane could pull my tooth. For those who don't know, I'm dealing with a serious tooth thing. If this show was Monday, I wouldn't be doing it. Um, I made it to Monday night, able to do South Burbs Hitman, luckily. But Monday during the day, no shot. It's it's nothing to mess around with. No, not at all. It's some of the worst pain I've ever had. So, um, Speaking of pain and Patrick Kane, you know what both of those things have in common? The period one of our show they both have to do with hockey which is what we are going to start talking about in period number one welcome to period one of bar down talking hockey um a little weird without joey no one to make fun of you know we just shoot each other straight when joey's not here um we're going to talk about something that i think touched a lot of chicago sports fans over the last week or so i watched it you watched it. Anybody who likes Chicago sports deeply, I would say, watched it. As last Thursday, ahead, during, and after the Chicago Blackhawks game against the San Jose Sharks at the United Center, they honored Pat Foley as he called his last ever game as the voice of the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it was a perfect ending. And I think, you know. There's a lot of mixed reviews about the Blackhawks maybe forcing him out and moving on. And, you know, there's there's probably a fair amount of truth to some of these things. But at the end of the day, Pat Foley is a beloved figure in Chicago Blackhawks history. So, Frank, I'm going to ask you, what is your reaction to the way things were done last Thursday night? I thought everything went perfectly, to be honest with you. It was probably one of the most emotional games that didn't involve like winning the cup or anything that I've ever watched. Um, Just because normally, you know, the ceremony takes place before the game and then that's it. Like when they, when they do like the thing for Hosa, when they honored Hosa, you know, you honor them before the game, you, you get on with the game, you play the game, that's it. But this lasted throughout the whole show. They would show like clips of people 
thanking him for what he's done. They would show highlights throughout his career during some of the commercial breaks or coming back from commercials. So this lasted the whole game. And the game just had a generally different feeling to it. Normally teams come out flat with these ceremonies, but it's almost like the Hawks wanted and needed to win for Pat Foley's sake, just for, for the perfect send off. And it was, it was incredible. I love it. And I'm actually, you see, it says Hawks win Hawks win. I'm wearing this shirt, Pat Foley's shirt. And that's a signature. This is the shirt that they wore um, during the ceremony or some of the fans were wearing during the ceremony. Uh, I love Pat Foley. I'll always hold a special place in my heart. And uh, Blackhawks games just aren't going to have the same feeling to him for a while um, without him there. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's one of those guys. You don't really hear it anymore. Broadcasters don't really have catchphrases like they once did. Um, a lot of them are pretty, like, to the book and just call the game. You know, everyone always know the Hawks win, Hawks win. Um I, you know, great save by Crawford, Bannerman, like all, all those just outstanding phrases that he would bring to the table. Um, treat 33 in the third period, tied three to two. You know, just just this little stuff like that that was always so fun to watch. Um, the Blackhawks were able to get the win in a shootout over the Sharks, and it is the only win that they've had in the last month, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Which is just disgusting to say but you're right it's almost like they came out of the gates like ready to rock they were playing a team that i think the sharks are better than the hawks but they're still beatable for a team like the hawks and they beat them it took a shootout and did you notice kane pointed up to the press box where pat foley was they still had to ask him if he was doing that for pat foley they were going to ask him like after the game or whatever and i don't know what the outcome was but it's like kane did something and he like pointed up to them so I, I assume he saluted Pat in his final game. Yeah, I, I would think that that's what that was about. I mean, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, some of these guys that have been there for a really long time, they know – they don't hear them because they're playing. And season ticket holders might have, like, ones who attend every game might have less appreciation for, like, the TV broadcast and all that. But, like, when you go home and watch the highlights, like, that's what you hear. And Pat Foley was that for if Pat, how many games does Pat Kane have? A little over eleven hundred, probably mm-hmm. just under a thousand of them were called by Pat Foley. Oh yeah, you know you figure the games that were on NBC, some and of the playoff TNT, games, all the playoff games except for the first round. Um, you know those are the only ones that weren't called by Pat Foley. Um, you just know it as a player and you know it as a fan and. It was really fun to watch for all those years. And he was in our living rooms for, depending on how old you are, the better part of four decades. It was very, man, I like cried hard watching it. Cause like, I only grew up knowing who Pat Foley was as the broadcaster for the Hawks and having this connection to him. It was just, it was like any, none other, no other connection. Like it was insane. Where do you think he ranks in Chicago sports broadcast history? Because I think he has two separate rankings. I think, although you just mean all time. Yeah. So, like, in terms of who, how much he was liked, I would put him second behind. I would Harry say Kane. second. Yeah, that's who I was thinking too. And, but in terms of overall importance to an organization, 
I might put him third behind Hawk Harrelson because Cup fans they hate Hawk Harrelson, baseball fan, but like White Sox fans love for him. So I like I said in terms of like importance to the organization's history, it probably is Hawk. But then Pat Foley, like kind of the same thing. They're they're two B and two C. Mm-hmm. Harry Carey's probably one because he did twenty three years with the White Sox and twenty four with the Cubs. So he's just like a Chicago legend on both sides yeah. of town. Pat Foley's probably right there. He yeah, really if, you probably ask, is. if you ask people, like, name a broadcaster from the Chicago from Chicago. Like Harry Carey is one of the first names that come to everybody's mind. And yeah. I just and I don't know if that's just because the length of he that he did it, like you said, he did both sides of the city, or just because that he's gone now. I, I wonder like down the line if like as age progresses and Pat Foley gets older, if he will kind of like immortalize himself as like an even greater announcer than he was just as like time passes by. Yeah. yeah, I'd I'd say second probably. Yeah. I would go second too. Um, Even just in terms of all time hockey. I mean, doc, Bill Clement, you know, guys like that. Pat Foley. I mean, he's a hall of famer for a reason. Exactly. Exactly. So, and Chicago kid, Ended up being the Chicago Blackhawks broadcaster. I want to ask you, throughout the game, you saw Joe Buck, Patrick Kane, Brett Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Doc Emmerich. All these outstanding people that have come across the sports landscape in the last, you know, couple decades put out a little tribute video to him, his parents. Um, What did you think of some of those? Uh, I thought it was great. I love when people do that. I love how many there were that there was, like I said, when they come back from commercial and you would see it or there go, you know, there were just so many opportunities to see these videos. And I think some of them didn't even make it to the screen. And I saw some of them online that I didn't necessarily see during the broadcast. My personal favorite was Doc Emmerich um, when he was holding his dog and the dog was eating ice cream because Pat Nettie always referred to the ice cream as soft serve. So I thought it was a great tribute to, uh, to Pat Foley and everything that they've always talked about. And, you know, um, Doc Emmerich is one of my favorite announcers of all time too. So seeing him honor my favorite Blackhawks announcer and probably my favorite Chicago announcer of all time, it was just really cool to see. And then an interesting fact that I didn't know until they announced it during the game is that Doc Emmerich's final call in person was a, was at the United Center and the Hawks were playing the San Jose Sharks yep, because he announced – he announced later on, but due to COVID, it was all remote. So Pat Foley and Doc Emmerich literally have the same, like, last call ever. It was at the United Center against the San Jose Sharks. I just thought that was weird. I like how um, Doc Emmerich was wearing a green Pittsburgh Pirates hat, and he said the piece for Pat, and the green is because you're Irish or something like that. And it, it was just – it was great. I thought it was the best video. Yeah, Doc Emmerich is my favorite announcer in the history of pro sports. He was the devil's announcer for what, 20 something years. And then he moved to NBC and was the voice of the NHL. Um, I agree with you on the doc thing. I remember that game against the sharks. They want, I want to say they won six to four and it was the game where Eddie Olchek put on a white Sox hat and he made earlier that day, he made the first ever legal sports bet in the state of Illinois. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with all those comments, you know, being forced out, all sorts of different negativity surrounding the Blackhawks throughout the season. It's almost like anybody that anyone besides Ed O and the ownership group that was associated with the team, but I don't even think Eddie O was associated with the team in 2010. 
Um, it's almost like they just want a fresh start with everything, which is good and bad, but not reaching the 40-year mark, that's got to be kind of tough. If I was him, I'd go announce like the, you know, a team that needs an announce, like, oh, go help Forslund with the Kraken or something. You Don't know? forget that uh, there was a stretch of time where Foley wasn't the announcer for the Hawks because uh, the Warts' father, uh, like, booted him out. Yeah. And there was I, that stretch. So, I mean, I, and that's not – counted in the 39 years right? no it's not i believe if you were to count that it's 46 years yeah so i mean don't we can't forget about that how the warts the, the father hated him rocky warts father like really didn't get along with him well and well the warts family outside of danny danny seems to take it a little bit better most of the warts family doesn't handle criticism well like anybody who like pushes against them or like you know descends an opinion they have almost get like forced out mm-hmm. like that's why stan bowman remained the gm for so long he was a yes man and yes man gms don't always do well in the nhl dale talon wasn't a yes man and he went to florida and helped them build what they got right now and he left there but you know it is what it is with the works but i'm happy to see that pat foley was able to Kind of go out on a high note here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I love the guy, and I congrats on his retirement. But like I said, Hawks games, just not going to be the same for a while without hearing his voice. Did you ever get to meet him? I did I not. I know a couple conventions. Um, I don't think so. I met him, no. Really? I, I I've never so. been to a convention. I met him at B-Dubs one time. I met uh, Frank Pellico, which is kind of random, because yeah. I wouldn't think you would ever meet him. Just. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, I don't think I've ever met Pat Foley. No. Interesting. I did meet Frank Pellico and Jim Cornelison at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was at a theater where they played the 17 Seconds video. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get but the also, Yeah, yeah. Um, he signed a puck for me. And also Pat Foley and Eddie Olchek were doing a signing at a B-dubs one time. And, yeah, we watched that. Um, I want to say the Bruins were playing Montreal and they were there for like promoting the Blackhawks game the next day. Um, it was fun. Nice guys. Pat Foley was freshly elected into the, um, hockey hall of fame and Ed O appreciated me wishing Pat well on that or congratulations on that. So, uh, Scotch remembers a time when Pat Foley called a basketball game at his old high school St. Pat's. That's actually pretty sweet. It's got to be weird, though, to hear. <laughs> what a shot made by the freshman. Three-point goal. <laughs> and there's tree thirty tree left in the third quarter of this tree-to-tree basketball game. I saw a fan who had Foley on the back, and it was three numbers. It was 3-3-3. Three, three, three. I thought I like it was pretty that. cool. That's that funny. Cool. That is funny. So that's our little actual talk about Pat Foley. They won the game. It was a huge shootout win to make it where his last call was kind of a happy one. And, and if, you, if you think about it too, you had the big save by Lankinen. That was his catch for a big save. Yep. That happened in the shootout, and he had um, Hawks win, Hawks win. It's like everything came together. In the, it was like the perfect ending. Yeah. Hockey is poetry. Sports are poetry. And that was on full display when the Blackhawks defeated the San Jose Sharks. They have come out completely flat since. They haven't won since. And But there's one little interesting thing to talk about before we move on from the Blackhawks out of this period. 
And that is the play of Lucas Reichel. Lucas Reichel is a rookie who made his NHL debut. I want to say it was late January against the Montreal Canadiens. I was there. And he he looks like he belongs, mm-hmm. I would say. I think in the AHL, he definitely is like one of the better players. Um, he will be in the NHL full-time going forward because he has played his 10th year or his 10th game of his season, which burns an entire year of his entry-level contract. So next year will technically be his second season, even though he'll be a rookie by, you know, game description. Um, what are your thoughts on Lucas Reichel? Uh, I kind of predicted that they were going to burn his first year of his contract, and I and not a lot of people agreed with me, and they said, why would they do that? The season doesn't mean anything. Um, I, I just had a feeling that they were going to do it. I like Lucas Reichel. I want to see a little bit more from him. I'm only, He's only played in, I think, now 11 games. Um, it's a small sample size, and he's only got one point. So it's – I don't know. It, it, it can be hit or miss with him if – he turns out to not be this superstar or even like mid-tier player, then Vin, we discussed then burning the first year of his contract really doesn't matter. Um, if he turns out to somehow be like a 40 goal scorer, which I don't think he's going to be, but if he did, then it's like, Oh, now you kind of made a mistake burning the first year of his contract. So it's a gamble. Um, but I obviously want to see how he does going forward at an NHL level. I know right now he's back in Rockford. They sent him back down to Rockford, um, which I mean, if you burn the first year of his contract, just let him play the rest of the year here. Why are you going to play the 10th That's game? That's why I just hate it so much. And then and then 11th that. game, and now you send him back down to Rockford? I don't agree with that. I mean, you already burned the contract. He's here to stay. I, I also said that a few weeks ago or a couple months ago too, that if he were to reach that 10-game mark, he would play the rest of the season. So that, that's what I don't understand why he's not going to be playing against the Coyotes tonight. just doesn't make sense to me in that as- aspect. Yeah, I, I I hate the way they've handled it, and I, I'm not I'm not knowledgeable enough. Well, knowledgeable enough is not the right term. We haven't seen enough from Kyle Davidson yet to like say he's an idiot. But I mean, Scox makes a good point though. What's that? Rockford needs one more win to clinch the playoffs. So good experience for him. So if that's the case. I guess you could get him some playoff experience, not NHL playoff experience. It's probably not close to the NHL, but I, I know Rockford's trying to win for them too. And it, Reichel's one of the best players on the Rockford team. Okay, that that makes me hate burning the year even more though. Yeah, you right. You could have kept him know. at nine games and then sent him down to the AHL, go clinch that playoff spot, go play in the Calder Cup playoffs. It just doesn't make any sense to me for the extra game. I I, I don't know if there's anything that can make it make sense in my brain. That's just my opinion. I hate it. If the Devils did something like that, I would be absolutely livid. Um, Keeping these guys with a salary cap, keeping these guys on cheap contracts as long as possible has been collectively bargained for a reason. And if Lucas Reichel becomes a 25, 30 goal scorer and they have to pay him six mil a year early and that forces them to trade one of their, you know, defensemen, you'll know why. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's rough. He did get his first career NHL assist though, which is nice for him. Um, I suspect his, yeah, the Kubelik goal. Oh my God. It was a while. It was like tic-tac-toes. Like, yeah, very pretty. It was, um, Reichel to Strom Nikubalik, I think, yep. right? Very, 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 very pretty goal. Yeah. 
Um, his first NHL goal probably coming pretty soon. He's had some chances. So if he gets back up to the show this season, I think, season. I mean, I think the con, I think burning the first year is dumb now. I really think it's dumb if he doesn't get called up again this season. I think three or four more games will be, he has to. Because then, yeah, I'll think it's them too if you burned it and that was it. Yeah, Now that you burned it, you're too deep. You give them the experience. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and he's already eligible to play in the Calder Cup playoffs because he was on Rockford's roster at the trade deadline. Right. So, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to me. This team has really made my brain feel numb <laughs> in the last three or so seasons. Oh, it was McCabe who made the pass. McCabe, to... I thought it was Strom. To uh, Kubali, um, yeah, definitely a numb brain because of the Chicago Blackhawks in the last whatever. I suspect he probably will get his first NHL goal if he does play three or four more games, just because the chances have been there. He fits on a line with pretty much anyone. He's played well on the Kane line. You've seen him play with the guys like Taylor Radish or uh, Lafferty, guys like that. So it's gonna be fun to watch his kid play. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love the kid. I love Radish. I love what I've seen from Radish. Um, hopefully they could get things turned around coming up in the next couple of years or so because I don't know how many more times I could take this uh, suffering right now. It's not fun. I was spoiled with all the championships they had and all the good seasons they had. and I, I don't like it now. I want yeah. them to get back to winning ways. You know what? In order to be a championship team in the NHL, this is just how I've seen it since we started watching hockey. You have to Build from the ground up, from the back end out. So goalie out, goalie defense, wings, or center wings. Um, that's just not going to happen overnight. The Hawks were bad in the mid-2000s. You know, they were bad enough to win the lottery in 07 and draft Patrick Kane. The year before, they were bad enough to have the third overall pick, take Taves. Uh, I believe in 03, they took Seabrook seventh, which means they were a bottom 10 team that year. Um, Keith, they got lucky with. There's no doubt about that. Keith, in his redraft, would probably go first or second. Um, I believe who went for oh, who went first in 02? It was probably I don't even know. Kovalchuk was 01. I don't remember who went first in 02. I know Ryan Whitney went fifth, but it's it's definitely like a bit of luck with Keith, but you know. You have to put your best foot forward on rebuilding the team in the long term. And then I think once you're like in that window, you have to go for it. Like people got mad at them for trading for um, Lad, and then they lost in the first round of the Blues. You were going for it again, though. Like you had a chance to win the cup again. Like then I like thinking about this year. But when there's just so obviously not going to be this year, that's when I'm like, okay, let's let's really build towards. You know, we want we all want to see our favorite teams win the Stanley Cup. I want to see the Cup come back to Chicago. If it can't be the Devils or the Bruins or you know a team that we enjoy that hasn't won it in a while or ever, then yeah, sure. But like the Chicago Blackhawks, it'd be awesome if they finally got back to being good again. And I think we'll not... see another Cup in our lifetime. I uh, probably, probably. Because they have the resources, I think, to get this done. It's just a matter of, it's just a matter of the people in charge making the right decisions. Do you know who they kind of remind me of? I don't know. I was stewing on this 
for a couple days now. It's a weird correlation. And I'm not talking about the franchises as a whole necessarily, but just a specific year. They kind of, I don't know why, maybe you could help me fill me in, but they kind of remind me of the Washington Nationals because the Nationals won the World Series and then they've just been dog meat. They just like fell apart. It's like the Hawks were good, and then they fell apart. I don't know why I have that connection to the Nationals because there's other teams who have done that before, but I don't know. It's just weird to me. Well, the Hawks won three times. The Nationals probably should have won three times. There was a year where they had Harper, Soto, Zimmerman, and Rendon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since then, though, okay, Harper left, and then they won the World Series. But they still had Soto, Rendon, and – who did I just say? Well, they have Ramuto. No, he's on the Phillies. Oh, um, yeah. Why am I thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wrong red team. Harper's on the Phillies, too. That, that's yeah. where the connection I'm tra- Who did I just say? Um, Zimmerman. Soto. Zimmerman. Zimmerman. Zimmerman, Soto, and Rendon. I mean, those are three outstanding in the middle of your order, okay? All three of, all of them are gone except Soto. Yeah, Ooh. now they're, they're dog water. And they had outstanding pitching with Scherzer and Strasburg. And uh, even a guy like Gio Gonzalez was really good there. They don't have that anymore. Uh, Strasburg, I think, is still there, but he, he's been hurt a little bit. Uh, they, they just fell off for a variety of reasons, similar to the Blackhawks. And yeah. the Blackhawks, they were really, really good in 2017. And they overreacted to being swept by Nashville. There is no doubt in my mind that even if they win a game in that series against Nashville, I think things would have been – they wouldn't be different now. I think they'd be bad now still, but they'd be freshly bad instead of it being like the fifth straight year that they're bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that series against Nashville, it was like it broke them to the core. They traded yeah, yeah. Panarin for Saad and then Yalmerson for Murphy. And Murphy's more valuable than Yalmerson now because Yalmerson's retired and Murphy's a pretty good player. But in 2018, the Hawks could have made another little run there if they had Yalmerson instead of a 23-year-old Murphy. Mm-hmm. And they, some of their drafting was like they, they took guys who were more projects than right now players that can help. And so they took Boquist in 2018 who they figured was like a project instead of somebody like Dobson who would have been able to step in right then and there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then they tried to do the opposite in the coming years. They drafted Kirby Doc, who was more NHL-ready than Bowen Byram or Zegris, but the ceiling wasn't as high. Right. So even though he his floor is higher, his ceiling isn't. So they need to pick a lane. Mm-hmm. That, that to me, in the Nationals... It's kind of the same thing. They probably thought they were going to be pretty good in 2020, and then they weren't. And since then, they've started to sell off pieces, and now it looks like they're rebuilding. But the problem with the Nationals is can you give a player the highest contract in the history of the sport when you really look like you're going to win 75 games? Talking about Juan Soto. You know, when Juan Soto's contract is up, he's going to be the highest paid player in the history of baseball. He might be the highest paid player in the history of North American sports when his contract is up. If they give him $370 million over 10 years, it wouldn't even slightly surprise me. Um, 
which I believe would break Trout's record. And nobody in the NFL makes that. Not even close to anybody in the NHL makes that. Um, I think there's a max contract in basketball. What about Mahomes? Doesn't he make like four hundred and something million? But it's over like twelve years or something like that. God, like, oh, I think okay. The I, I average annual value. So you're saying per year? Yeah, Juan Soto's per year is going to be, and maybe it'll be like on par with Mahomes. Actually, I think that's like really something you that think the Nationals be. keep them then. As of right now, yes, but. I don't know. It, it's it's hard. Um, it's a little different baseball. You can keep your guys around and still rebuild with like a Juan Soto on your team because Juan Soto as one outstanding, magnificent player can't keep you from rebuilding like someone in hockey. Mm-hmm. Like I think Marc-Andre Fleury being on the Blackhawks this year was a really bad idea in hindsight. Yeah, it was nice early. I thought they were going to make the playoffs early in the year. and my prediction show, I picked them to make it to the playoffs. But once it became obvious that they weren't going to the playoffs, I personally would have traded them right away because a player like that can keep you from rebuilding properly right now. In baseball, it's not really like that. Like Juan Soto can only hit when he comes up to bat and he can only field when the ball's hit to him. But a Marc-Andre Fleury can make a bad Blackhawks team win some games that they absolutely do not deserve to win. So there are some – major similarities and major differences between the two, but I, I like the analogy a lot. I've been stewing on it. I don't know. It's just been yeah. something I've been stewing on. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I'm trying to think of some other teams that, I mean, whoever loses the Super Bowl sucks the next year pretty much annually. The only so reason the I'm not there... going to be pretty bad. You you do think that? No, I'm asking you because you said whoever loses the Super oh, Bowl. Oh, I, I said usually. The only thing that most Super Bowls don't have or most Super Bowl losers don't have is a third year quarterback that might be top five now. Now, I do think the Bengals overperformed a little bit. I, me personally, I'm not picking them to go back to the Super Bowl this year. No, um, I don't even know if I have them winning the AFC North again. Yeah, exactly. So if I don't, Mick I has mean, an okay year, I think it's the Steelers. I don't think I, they're the going to be bad. Always in the mix. No, they're not going to be bad. But, you know, Outside of Tom Brady's teams that lost the Super Bowl, there were a couple Brady Super Bowl losses in there, if you could believe it. Um, those teams generally didn't stink the next year, but I'm talking like your traditional Super Bowl loser kind of kind of sucking the next year. Like the Rams took a while to get back. Mm-hmm. The 49ers were injured and bad the year after they lost. They were good again this year. But uh, it's interesting. There are some teams that fall off. Rather quickly, I mean, the Cubs and the Royals, they both won the World Series, had another year or two where they were okay, and then, you know, winning's hard in sports, man. Very few teams can be the Giants, who win three in six years, or the Seahawks, who make it to two Super Bowls in a row, lose one of them, the Patriots, with what they did twice, they had two separate dynasties, um... You know, there's the Gronk era and then the Teddy Bruschi defense era. Um, They're both the Tom Brady era, but you get what I mean. Um, You know, it's hard to sustain success when there's 
turnover and aging players and roster flexibility. The NFL and the NHL both have hard salary caps, which is unlike Major League Baseball and the NBA. The NBA has a soft cap. Major League Baseball has a luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Um, Nationals, Blackhawks, Royals. Yeah, lots I would of love teams. the Royals in there, too. Yeah, lots of teams play well for a long time. And then here's the thing, though. Then there are teams like the New York Rangers. Um, for a long time before they won the Cup, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, the San Jose Sharks wore this for a long time. Even the Red Wings. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, they you, made the playoffs for 20-something straight years. So, Yeah, I, I'm, I'm talking without a championship, though. Oh, you, okay. you make it a bunch in a row, and you sustain success for a long time. The Capitals? You never, you never win it. The Capitals finally got theirs, though, just like the Blues. But before they got theirs, they were kind of Before they got there, they were like in this. Yeah, before they got there, they were like in this category. Or the Maple Leafs. Yep. Right now, they haven't won one recently. Yeah. So. You, you know who I'm worried about this happening to? The freaking White Sox. They It would not even slightly shock me if they won the next five American League Central Championships. It wouldn't even slightly shock me. You know, the Guardians are killing them 10 nothing right now, but Dallas Keuchel is not going to be loading the bases in the first three innings every single game. Like, they're going to win their division this year. Right. And But if they don't win the World Series, then they're in line to be like one of those teams that's just always sick. The Braves, until winning the World Series, were like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Do- Same thing with the Dodgers. How, how long were the Dodgers good? It's hard to say it's the Yankees right now because the Yankees – do have 27 championships in their history, but the most recent one is 09, but they've sustained success since in terms of regular season play. They haven't been under 500 since the mid nineties. So, you know, there are lots of teams that they stay elite for a long time and then they don't end up winning the title. So at least the Blackhawks didn't do that. Oh my God. Yeah. We, at least we got three out of them. Yeah. And that's two more than you even, really probably would have asked for when the core started to come together. Like, hey, and, man, you know, let's, let's just get the one. Let's get one cup. And, you know, there are cities who've never won a Stanley Cup or never won a World Series or whatever the case may be, and they would just kill to get one, but we were blessed with three. So, you know, I'm glad I got to witness all three of those too. Yeah. And the only team that hasn't won a championship in our lifetimes is the Bears, who are the most popular team in the city by far. Yeah. So sometimes sports are weird, man. Sports are weird. Sports are poetry. Sports are everything that we love about real life, I would say. Um, Yeah. So that's the Blackhawks. Pat Foley, great career. Lucas Reichel talked a little bit about, you know, where they're at in terms of their team and how can they get back. There's going to be plenty of Blackhawks discussion and – updates on their moves and what we think is right and what we think is wrong. So make sure you keep tuning in. And with that, we're going to get you to some of the actual other things going on in the NHL that are going on with the standings and all that in period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, the Eastern Conference is a wrap. The eight teams have all clinched. That means the rest of the teams have all been eliminated from postseason contention. You're reacting. Uh, a few months ago, they were it was wrapped in my mind, but now it's just mathematically wrapped. Um, 
you know, but you know, even though the teams are clinched and it's nowhere near as it is in the Western conference, we're going to still see a lot of fight in the Eastern conference for as far as the overall standings go. I mean, we, I mean, the Rangers look like they want to have the number one seed in the Metro right now. Uh, it's not a clear given who's going to win the Metro. Uh, I'm sure the favorite was Carolina about a week ago, just based on the point differential, but now they're tied and it appears that the Rangers want to get uh, that number one spot. Um, the only thing we know for sure is that the Florida Panthers are going to be the number one seed and the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be the number two seed. But as far as the other six teams in the Eastern Conference goes, that's up for grabs. I mean, look at it right here. I, I, I mean, even the, the Islanders, or not the Islanders, the Capitals could pass the Penguins up. I, I mean, seriously, anything is really up for grabs. We just know the eight teams that are in it right now. Yeah, it's definitely – it's definitely a tight race up there in the Metro with the top four teams. Um, we thought the Capitals were like just making the playoffs because they were like, okay. And the rest of the teams in the East look, no, we were wrong. We were wrong about Washington. I think all eight teams could win the cup. I'm going to give you a list later. We'll, we'll play a little game later, but I think all eight teams realistically should feel good about how their seasons have gone. Mm-hmm. And I looked back, I'm going to reveal it to the people who don't listen to the show, but follow on Twitter later. Um, I nailed seven of the eight in my Eastern conference playoff prediction. The only one I got wrong was I had the New York teams flipped. You I had the, the Islanders, Islanders in instead of the Rangers. So that's my one wrong. The West is a mess. I had the Blackhawks making it Winnipeg, Probably um, Vegas. Vegas, which they're not dead yet, but. They're on life support. My, my devils really put them on life support. Shockingly, shockingly. Shout out to you, Nathan Bastion. Um, it's definitely interesting. I didn't love that the East was pretty much wrapped in, you know, February. Nope. I like when there's that last week of the season. Like we're probably gonna get in the West because Vegas might need to win out in order to make it. But like, no. they might. There was a game i recall very vividly we were at your old house Vin. i'm talking about your old house your first one that i remember going to and i think it was it was the last game of the season i believe and the hawks were they needed to it might have been i forgot who they needed to lose or they needed somebody to win or whatever whatever the case may be, but they needed to either lose or somebody needed to win but their their fate was out of their hands and it literally came down to the final day of the regular season. And we're not going to get that in the Eastern Conference. The only thing we're going to get in the Eastern Conference that might come down to the final day is where they're going to land in the standings. And I don't like that as much. I I want the fight. I want the competitiveness like we're getting in the Western Conference. Um, So I just, more often than not, I don't want it to be wrapped up this early. Now, if my favorite team's in there, of course I want them to clinch as early as possible. But from a fan of the NHL, and no bias. I want competitiveness, and I want games to come down to the final days of the regular season. I completely agree. I, I I would love to see how the season would have gone if the Islanders didn't get off to a bad start and have to play their first thirteen games rough. of the season on the road because of yeah. their new building. I, I obviously, I mean, think about how big of a hole they were in. Yeah, just to start right away to begin the season. That's hard to come back and make up those points. It's not easy. In the I agree. Season. 
they're going to be just shy of 90 points. I think they're at 80 right now with, uh, what is that, eight games to go. Um, they could win half of those. Get them to 88, just like you said, just shy of 90. Yeah. And the Islanders are a very good team. They've been in the Western Conf- or the Eastern Conference Finals two straight seasons. Um, I think they'll be back involved next year. Um, guys really started to turn it on in the second half of the season, and I think that's just with a little bit more continuity with their routines and their schedules. Um, that's the only team that didn't make the playoffs that I think can just kind of brush the season off and figure it out in the offseason. But then you go over to the Western Conference, right? Mm-hmm. And the only teams that have clinched are the Colorado Avalanche, the Minnesota Wild, the St. Louis Blues, the Calgary Flames. Currently holding playoff position are the Edmonton Oilers, Los Angeles Kings, Nashville Predators, and Dallas Stars. The Vegas Golden Knights trail the second wildcard spot held by the Dallas Stars by a total of four points. What do you think of this situation? Yeah, so I'm looking at the standings right now. And last week, um, I gave the Golden Knights there were two major games in their schedule. I said the Calgary Flames and the game that they play the Dallas Stars are must-wins. They still are. They ended up beating the Calgary Flames by a score of 6-1. to one. Then they falter. Then Devils beat them. The Devils, that you can't lose to the Devils in this Hey, situation. you watch your mouth. You can't. I don't. I, you can't. If you're in a playoff race and you're home in the fortress, you cannot. It, it is. There is no if Sandra Bush. You cannot afford to lose to a non-playoff team. So now I'm looking um, ahead in their schedule. I think they're pretty screwed. But they there's three games that they really have to win. They're, they're, these are must wins now, for sure. These three games I'm going to name in the remaining schedule, and it's their next three. They got the Capitals. It's going to be a tough game. Now you're playing against a playoff team. Washington Capitals not going to be an easy situation. Can't take them lightly. They beat um, you in the Stanley Cup final. Exactly. So this is, you know, you got that stigma in the back of your head. That's a must win, obviously. You got to get these two points. There's no time to waste, especially with only five games left. Then they play. Then they're home against San Jose. The Hawks were able to beat San Jose. And San Jose is going into the fortress. San Jose's eliminated mathematically from playoff contention. This is also a must-win game for the Vegas Golden Knights. you, you got to mop up against the teams that are playing for nothing, especially when you're home. So this is a huge opportunity. And perhaps the biggest game of their next three, they go to Dallas to play the Dallas Stars. They're fighting. They're four points behind Dallas. Dallas has a game in hand. If they lose that game, no matter what else happens, it, it's over. Their their dreams, their first ever season not making uh, the playoffs is coming to an end. Their dreams of making it this year are coming to an end. With how many musts there are for the Vegas Golden Knights, I have to side with just odds in general here and mathematics and say the Vegas Golden Knights are not going to make it this year and the Dallas Stars are going to get that spot and we are going to see the first time in franchise history since debuting in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights are not going to make the playoffs, my opinion. Does it slightly bug you that the Golden Knights and the Kings are separated by five points, but that's because they have the exact same record in terms of wins and losses, but five of LA's 
extra or ten of LA's losses have come in overtime, and only five of Vegas's have come in overtime. Yeah, I mean, it is. They're both. They're both thirty-one. They're both forty-one and thirty-six. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the point system and how it could be changed differently. I think a little bit, and it should be more rewarding for getting a regulation win, maybe. Um, yeah, I like the Olympics. Three, two, one, zero. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you should have more of a reward for winning in regulation because then five minutes left in the game, it's like people aren't teams aren't pressuring as much because they just want that point. And when everybody's getting points, then it's hard to make up ground. And you you come across what we're seeing in the Eastern Conference right now. When things are locked up early because this guy gets a point, and you're going to get a point, and you get a participation point. And I, I just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've grown up with the two one zero system, but yeah, I don't I don't think Vegas is getting like jarred or anything no, like that no, the way no, the league no, no. has been for you know a billion years, but. You know, it is interesting that they both have 41 wins and one is five points behind the other in the standings. Um, I think Vegas is a better team than L.A., Nashville, and Dallas. So do I. But in, you know, missing Mark Stone and trading for Eichel and not getting him back, and when they got him back, they weren't used to having him yet. And, you know, I definitely think they'll be fine in the long run. Like if they yes. won the cup, if they missed this year and won the cup next year, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think they got unlucky for the pure fact of injuries. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses. Dallas is 15 games over 500 and they're playing great. But I do think we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if they were healthy. They had Jack Eichel, you know, Robin Leonard never got hurt. Then, you know, we might not be having this conversation right now. I completely agree. I completely agree. And like I said, no excuses. Dallas is playing a great – they're having a great season, 91 points, uh, 15 games over 500. But I ultimately, on paper and in the long run, I see Vegas being the better team. I agree. I wonder, like, what would happen if they won the lottery? Like if with that 1% chance. And they added Shane Wright to Eichel, Stone, Petrietti, Smith. They'd be a 100-point game. Theodore. Um, I think so. Petrangelo. I mean, their team is stacked. I just named a bunch of all-stars. Every single one of these guys has been an all-star at one point or another. William Carlson, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Shea Theodore. They've hit the century mark, for sure. Guaranteed. I mean, they almost could do it this year. They're not going to. It's mathematically impossible, but... They're, they were close enough, potentially. They're going to go get over 90, I would think. Yeah. You know, it's possible for them to end with 97 points. Yeah. I hope they do. And I'll tell you why. I don't care about any team besides the Devils in terms of wins and losses, but I care about storylines and what's fun. If you're the more fun team to me right now, I'll root for you. I take that back. I care about the Blackhawks, the Bruins, the Leafs, and the Wild, too. And I kind of like the Penguins, too. I have my teams that I cheer for. Of course, who doesn't? But the Golden Knights in the playoffs are electric factory right now. And I want to see it. I want to see Jack. Oh, and Jack Geichel, his draft, they were showing, I think it was during the Devils Golden Knights game, MSG showed it on the Devils broadcast, all the players from the 2015 draft that have, like, their number of playoff games. McDavid was like, He's got like 21. 
and Eichel has zero, and they were one and two. And then there are guys in like the upper 50s. Matt Barzell is up there because he's the Islander's success. And Sebastian Ajo, just freaking so good. So many good players, but none of them nearly as capable as a Jack Eichel or a Connor McDavid. So the Oilers are going to get in. It would be nice to see Vegas get in. Now, wouldn't that be kind of funny if somehow, someway, Vegas ended up playing Edmonton in the playoffs and it was a Mick Eichel playoff series? But I don't know. It's going to be fun to – it's going to be fun to watch as the season goes along. One other thing I wanted to touch on before we get into the other races that don't include the sta- necessarily the standings, um, the Blues finally had a winning streak snack. We'll talk about that in the third period. But with all that winning that they've done, they haven't gained any ground on the Wild. The Wild are still tied with them in points. Like they've been I, winning I, I a lot. I think we're there. going to see that playoff series. Yeah. And right now the Wild have the tiebreaker because they have more wins. Um, the Blues have four extra loser points, so that's why they're tied in points. And the Wild have a game in hand. Um, I think whoever comes in second wins the series. That's starting to become my new take. So you think whoever has home ice? Yeah, and right now they're tied with 103 points. Um, You know, that series is a series that we're all familiar with. Back when the Hawks were in the playoffs, we saw a lot of Blues, Wild series, and then a lot of Hawks, Wild, Blues, Hawks, whatever. It was always like those three teams in it. The Wild and Blues, it's a great rivalry, a great central division rivalry, and I'm excited to watch it. You know, I'll be tuning into the playoffs to watch that series. I, I, I hope that's the one we get, to be honest with you. It's I think it's great. I think it's a great first round matchup. Um, maybe like to see like a Western Conference final between those two teams. Obviously, that's not possible the way the uh, it's set up, but I mean, it's a good first-round matchup, no doubt. I'm pretty sure if the Wild and the Blues each get one more point, they clinch playing each other in the first round. (laughs) So it's going to happen. Yeah, it's going to happen. Nashville is going to be a wild card or out, and Dallas is going to be a wild card or out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if the Kings will ever – or the Golden Knights could be – I mean, they could be, I guess, wild card teams – but that third spot in the Pacific Division is still up for grabs, too. I think Edmonton is going to run away with the second spot. But they're only two points ahead, but they have two games in hand. So the West is definitely something to pay attention to as the season comes along. One thing I wanted to touch on before we head on into the fun period is we talk about it all the time, the Hart Trophy. Um, I think it's quite the race right now. Um, Matthew Kachuk has 99 points. Um, Austin Matthews has 102. Leon Dreisaitl has 105. Jonathan Ice Hockey has 108. Connor McDavid has 110. And Jonathan Huberto is your NHL scoring leader with 111 points. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Huberto. I mean, he's just having himself a year. Uh, a lot of that could be thanked to his assists, having 81 assists, and nowhere, no one's no, nowhere close to him in the assist department. Um, I don't, in my opinion, though, he's not my favorite to win the heart, just because 
if you take a look at everybody on this list, and yeah, Huberto's got 111 points, but he only has 30 goals. And I only say only because like some of these guys are capable, and even Huberto's capable of scoring like 40 goals. Um, I just think I think not having enough goals is gonna hurt him, to be honest with you. My favorite is still Austin Matthews. Broke 100 points, got 102 points. He's got 58 goals, 44 assists. Kick it a little more. I'd like to see him get to 50 assists, and I think that really solidify him. I don't know if he's going to get there, but I, I don't know. To me, Austin Matthews is just – he's got it all this year, man. He's going to break 60 goals, I would say. Yeah, if he plays, he's been a little hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, I got it between Matthews and McDavid now. I like that Dreisaitl's the only 50-50 man. But Matthews and McDavid are the only ones that are also close to the 50-50 mark. And I think Huberto's just too lopsided, you know? Yeah, which is fine. It's fine, yeah. You know, 111 points is nothing to – I would nominate him. Yeah. Oh, my nominees right now would be Huberto, McDavid, and Matthews. Oh, I hope he nominated for sure. But I think so. I don't know. I, I like the 50-50 from Dreisaitl, too. Like, being that well-rounded, it's just unbelievable. But McDavid's going to have 70 assists and 45 goals, likely. Like, that, to me, is incredible. And then you got, you know, there are some defensemen that got to be in the mix, too. I mean, Roman Yossi has 89 points. That's a defense defenseman. Uh, Kale McCarr has 85 um, Igor Shesterkin is, you know, outstanding. Aldo wants to know if we like the plus minus that. I actually hate it. I don't either. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Either. Like, I, the fact that... It doesn't really tell you much. No. The only time I like it is if you're head over heels above people or head over heels below people. If you're minus 50, you probably should step your shit up. <laughs> if you're plus 50 you're probably doing something right. Like, you know, if we go I, to the, pl- the plus minus leaders yeah. in the National Hockey League, it's all the players from the best teams. John Agudro leads the league at plus 60. Elias Lindholm is plus 56. Matthew Kachuk is plus 53. Three Calgary Flames lead the National in plus minus. Then it's two Avalanche, which just happen to be the top two guys on their top defense pair, which is Devin Taves and Kale McCarr. And then you got guys like some Florida depth players, like Mackenzie Weger and Gustav Forsling. Um, Barkov is in the mix. Tanev from the Flames. It's just like defensemen and top defensive forwards from, you know, the best teams. The best teams. And if you give up an empty net goal, there's a minus for all your team's top players. If the Blackhawks give an empty net goal to the opposition when they're trying to t- – the de- Blackhawks are down 3-2, to two, Right. And they're playing the Blues, and the Blues throw one in the empty net. Now Jonathan Tapes, Patrick Kane, Alex Dabrinkit, Seth Jones, and pick who you want to be the fifth fifth and sixth guys that day. We'll go with Taylor Radish and Doc. All six of them just got a minus to their stat line for the night, even though all they were trying to do was tie the game, and Lankinen wasn't able to cover the puck, and the Blues threw it in the empty net. Boom, yeah, you know, now. I, I don't like that. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those stats where you, those stats are only like if you have a good plus minus, it's only going to be to players who are on great teams. That is like one of those only stats. However, you could have a really good player. Like I wouldn't be surprised, not this year, but if 
Kane were to score 40 goals and the Hawks missed the playoffs. And he could be up there with some of the highest goal, goal scorers in the league. But he's not on a good team. But the plus-minus, that's only going to players who are on good teams. And in my opinion, if you're a plus-60 or a plus-40, that's the same damn thing. That extra 20, that's not a big difference at all. It's To me, yeah. it's the same in my eyes. So I, I don't like going by it. I think it's a terrible stat to base things off of. But it's just my Radko opinion. Gudas has a higher plus-minus than Victor Hedman. Um, none of the top 27 players are on a playoff or none of the top 25 are on a playoff or on a non-playoff team. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I hate plus minus, but there are other stats where non-playoff teams could be in the, the leaders. Yeah. Points. Who's the highest score? Who, Goals against scoring okay, well, Flurry when he was on the Hawks, he was playing great. Yeah. Who's the scoring leader of a non-playoff team? Ooh. That is not a name you would expect. Wow, he has that many points? Whoa. JT Miller with 93 points oh, is wow. your scoring leader of all players not on a playoff team. So and there second, you go. And second is Patrick Kane with 88 points. Exactly. And you're not going to get that stat from a non-playoff team in plus minus. Because yeah. it's just so heavily surrounded about how good your team is playing. I don't Patrick, like it. Patrick Kane is minus 18. Yeah, but if the Pawks were a playoff team and they were what we predicted them before the season, he would be positive, trust me. Yeah, Patrick Kane is plus 44 in his career. Okay. Which means going into this season, he was plus whatever 18 plus 44 is. 62. 60-something, 60 62. There you go. Yeah, I'm not a plus minus guy really anymore. Um I think it was a nice stat back before we had things like expected goals for and, you know, stuff like that to help us really analyze what's going on in the game. But that's where I'm at with it right now. So that's that's the races going on across the National Hockey League right now in short. Um, it's funny. We've talked about a lot, but we're only an hour or two into the show. It's amazing what adding a third voice does to the length of the show. Cause if we would have went through and got Joey's opinion on every single one of these topics, we'd still be at the beginning of period two, probably <laughs> similar. Yeah. Cause he would have thrown in his thoughts on Pat Foley and he would have thrown in his thoughts on Lucas Reichel and the Blackhawks with their, his comparison with the nationals and being bad since winning the cup in 2015. Like, you know, I like that about the show though. You never know what you're going to get. Bar down talking hockey is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I love Star Wars. Don't even get me started. Outstanding movie series. If you like politics, if you like politics, if you like U.S. history, if you like world history, and if you like religion, even if you just like the stories of those things. Put them in space and you got Star Wars. Combine mm-hmm. them, put them in space, you got Star Wars. So make sure you watch Star Wars. And speaking of Star Wars, we're going to talk about some different sports, hockey, non-sports type things in period number three. Welcome to period three where Frankie and I are going to be talking about certain things going on across the NHL. Last week, we got a question from Greg Tierney. Are the Hawks ever going to be good again? Yes, they are. Just not for a long time. Answer it. Yeah, they are. Um, 
I think that we'll definitely see a Stanley Cup in their future. Um, I feel like this is an episode of Groundhog's Day where it just they, the question keeps coming up. You just got to <laughs> keep answering it. Dormammu, I've come <laughs> to bargain. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. <laughs> yeah, that's just going to take a really long time, Greg. I'm sorry to tell you. They have no prospect capital. Their team at the NHL level stinks. And Trust me, Greg, no, I'm hurting too. They're not showing what direction they're going in as an organization yet. We'll know over the summer if they're going to rebuild, retool, or try to be good next year. Um, the smart thing would do to be to retool. That means they'd be good in approximately three to five years. If they try to be good again, they're going to ultimately fail, and we'll be right back at the same spot here next year. So that's that's my honest opinion on the situation. I like that comment, Aldo. <laughs> Keep the faith if you're under 40. If you're over 40, you better start writing your letters to Mr. Wirtz that you want to see it real quick before you – If you're uh, under 40 or if you're over 40, go watch some highlights of them winning the Cup in 2015. Yeah, type, type Patrick <laughs> Kane into the YouTube search bar or Stan Makita if you're a real youngin. Well, no, then we're not talking to you because we're talking to people over 40 anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, you know who is going to be good soon? Matt Beniers. I don't know how long it's going to take the Kraken to be good. I actually think it's going to take two or three years for them as well, based on how they did their expansion draft and how they would have handled picks, the trade deadline and prospects. They've added a lot of picks via the drag, uh, trading away people. Um, I think they're handling their organization well. They're not going to have the immediate success that Vegas had, but they also might not you know, find themselves in ninth place in five years either, you know, and I'm not sure Vegas is going to stay there. We'll see if Vegas really dug themselves in a grave or if it's just a bad luck year. I kind of think it's a bad luck year, but there's no doubt Seattle will be good soon enough. And one of the players that's going to be leading the way for them soon, if not now, is Matt Beniers, who last week scored his first career National Hockey League goal in a game I was watching against the New Jersey Devils. Frank, your thoughts on Beniers? Been years. Um, it's after he scored his first goal, then he he got a second one like the next game. It's like weird how just, that happens, isn't it? It I is. It's like hockey's poetry, man. Yeah, hockey is poetry. Gates have opened up, and I mean, we know the skill that Matt Beniers is capable of, and specifically on his first NHL uh, goal, Nico Dawes. I mean, he just had no idea where the puck was. Yeah. I mean, it was an absolute open net for Ben years. I mean. Anybody was bearing this. I mean, look at right here. Look at he has no clue. There was a zero percent chance he was missing that. Gets his first ever NHL goal. Gets his second NHL goal the game after. Um, you know the Seattle Kraken are lucky with this guy. Yeah. For those who don't know, he was the second overall pick in the 2021 NHL draft. He, along with a couple of his other fellow draftees, Owen Power, Luke Hughes, Kent Johnson, all played at the University of Michigan. This season, Michigan had their ultimate demise in the tournament. And because the NHL season's going long past the end of the NCAA's Frozen Four, like normally we're well into the playoffs right now. I think I got a notification, uh, like a, a memory, I think it was Facebook, of the Wild and the Hawks having their first round series like well over by now or close to being over by April 20th. Shout out to all those who celebrate. Uh, um, just kidding. Not really. Um, I think the fact that the NHL season is extended because of COVID and the all-star break and what was supposed to be the Olympics, it allowed some of these college players who were eliminated to sign their NHL deals 
and play. Um, ben Years obviously has a lot of pedigree. I'm not sure if he'll get into 10 games. I'm assuming he probably will. It's a little different than the Lucas Reichel situation because he hasn't been up and down the whole time, and he's like a top, top flight prospect. Um, already got two goals in his start to the season. So Ben Years, great player. I, I yeah, like watching him play. He's going to be – I'm not sure he's – I'm not sure he has the ceiling of like a top 20 NHL forward. I'm not certain 80, 90, 100 points are ever in the future. They might be. I mean, don't get me wrong. JT Miller has 91 points right now. They're probably saying similar things about him. But uh, if he's ever Seattle's second or third best player, when they're an elite team, that I think is like what would be ideal for them. Yeah, absolutely. He could definitely be the glue that holds some of the pieces together in the Kraken organization. So I wouldn't be surprised. And I've heard he has captain level attitude too. yeah maybe he'd be a future captain yeah and they've already had a captain but they traded him away so it's vacant um talking about mark giordano it's gonna be interesting to see what the kraken do i wanted your thought really quick before we move on the devils when they played the kraken the kraken were wearing their home jerseys which everybody recognizes are awesome and the devils wearing their road whites the red white and gray or red white and black i'm sorry that's an awesome jersey matchup do you agree yeah, I like both jerseys. Um, the New Jersey Devils has similar jerseys to the Hawks because they're red, white, and black. Um, I, I always like like the white jerseys um, in the NHL. Um, I also like the Kraken's home jerseys a lot. Um, I'm a fan of it more than the Rhodes, personally. I really like that color blue, and I really like just the overall design of it. So, yeah, great jersey matchup for sure. Yep, I agree. Last week, I think it was last week, either last week or early this week, Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry took a face-off against one another. And they, got a picture, they got a picture with each other, you know, ahead of the game. Perry came in as a winger to take the face-off against Getzlaff. What does that mean to you? You know, they're best buds. We've seen so much of them play together when they were back in Anaheim. And they have a special connection. And I'm glad that they ended up doing that. Um, it was a very special moment, especially if you've watched hockey for as long as we have. And you, you've got to witness them play together on the Ducks. And I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. It's like one of those little Easter eggs that the, the whole game was like thrown in there. Um, if you don't know much about like the Anaheim Ducks or you don't follow the NHL as closely as we we do, then you're like, oh, uh, what is this Corey Perry guy taking a face-off against Getzlaff? It doesn't mean as much to some people, but for us, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. I was huge into the Ducks when they were awesome. I mean, when they had Perry, Getzlaff, Kessler, Fowler, um, Votnin, they had Gibson and Freddie Anderson as their goalie tandem. Um, They were outstanding. They traded Votnin for Henrique, so all of a sudden – Henrique is on the Ducks, and I love Henrique. He'll always be one of my favorite players ever for obvious reasons. Um, Yeah, I like seeing them face off against one another. I'm going to be sad when they're both done. Um, I believe that is coming for Getzlaff. We have talked about that on this show. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds. It's his final uh, year, I thought. Yeah, which means he's coming up on his final couple games here because the Ducks are not going to the playoffs. But – he helped mentor those young kids. They're going to be a really good team in short order. Um, yeah, 
that's Getzef definitely will forever a, be, uh, a member of the organization too. He's one of those guys who's going to stick around, I think, and help the Ducks organization going forward. Yeah, and I think the Ducks will retire Perry's number 10 as well. I really do. I think they'll retire both of them, and they'll be next to each other in those rafters forever mm-hmm. because of what they meant to the team for so long. So yeah, I shout, out to, shout out to Perry and Getzlaff. Um, another legend that was taken in the 2003 NHL draft. One day we're going to have an episode. I think over the summer when there's jack shit to talk about in hockey, um, we're going to talk about the 2003 NHL draft. I might dedicate a whole show or a whole period to it. Uh, not a lot of people know this. It is the greatest draft in the history of pro sports. Not hockey, not North Americans, pro sports. The greatest draft of all time. I want to say like 23 out of the 30 picks played 500 or more games in the NHL. Just 500 might not sound like a lot. Google most drafts. Um, Be lucky if half the first round plays 200 games every year. I mean, the draft is a crapshoot. The Hawks hitting on all those picks is why they won cups. Because drafting is very difficult. I mean, 2003, first round. I think the top three were Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury was the goalie. Um, two was Eric Stahl, I want to say, and three was Nathan Horton. All three of them were like thousand game outstanding players. Uh, Zach Parisi went 17th, Getzlaff, Perry, Seabrook, Dustin Brown. Um, there are even more that uh, Dustin Bufflin. There, there are more that I'm forgetting that are just absolutely outstanding. Steve Bernier, like, there, there was just an outstanding draft. It is one of the greatest drafts ever. And the Ducks, they got their two superstars out of it. It was just outstanding. We'll, we'll do some deep dive on that draft one day soon. But, you know, Perry gets laugh. We just talked about them. The number one overall pick in that draft was Marc-Andre Fleury, who yesterday or the day before told the media that he would like to play one more year. Um, as you see, if you're watching the video version, for those listening on the podcast, Marc-Andre Fleury with his wild jersey and his Blackhawks helmet. I love that. It's kind of funny. Um, It was weird because when he got traded from Vegas to Chicago, he was thinking about retiring, and the Hawks kind of had to convince him to play this year. And then he was was good yet again and traded to the Minnesota Wild where he splits with Cam Talbot, and it's pretty clear that he's well-rested down the stretch of this season. So, Frank, I ask you your reaction to Marc-Andre Fleury wanting to stay for another NHL season next year. Um, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. When he was with the Blackhawks organization and we weren't sure, I wasn't sure if they were going to trade him or not, if he stayed with the Hawks, I thought they were going to sign him for at least a two-year deal. So getting traded to the Wild, I, I mean, I've just always had that vibe that he was going to at least sign one last contract in the NHL. Um, from the naked eye, there's no reason for him not to return based on what you're seeing. He's playing great hockey. He's still putting up fantastic numbers. But ultimately, us as fans, we don't know how he feels personally and the, if he's got any pain or you know any, any problems with him physically. We, we can't see that. But from what we see with the naked eye, there's no reason for him not to return. And ultimately, I'm not surprised that he's going to return. I think he goes to the Penguins. Interesting. That's my prediction. That'd be sick. That's that's interesting. He knows the trade to Washington. No. 
you don't they need can't. those two goalies for now. It's just not. And the Wild are in serious cap trouble because their cap hits for cutting Parisi and Suter combined for like 16 mil next year. Like they're in trouble next year, the Wild. If they're good next year, props to the players that are there. Um, He nulled the trade to Washington. Mm-hmm. Because his love for Pittsburgh is still so strong and he wouldn't feel right throwing on the Capitals jersey. I respect so, it. I respect it, too. I think that's where he goes. That is my prediction. It would just be a Cinderella ending for what is one of the top five greatest goalie careers I've ever seen or known about. And, you know, know? it's rare when a goalie goes first overall, too. Has anybody since? I'm trying to think. I think the answer is no. I don't think so. I think the answer is no. Yeah. I I think that right there was, like, kind of a wake-up call. Like, wow, this goalie's going first. You know, he must be really good. I mean, look at the career he's had since. Oh, my God. Legendary Hall of Fame. Vasilevsky and Price probably should have went first, but teams are scared to take goalies with the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. So definitely going to be fun to watch Flurry next year. I hope it is with the Penguins. I really do. Um, the Bruins and the St. Louis Blues winning streak at nine. Are you surprised? No, not at all. I almost text Joey saying, you know, I think there's great value on the Bruins tonight. I think the, the Bruins are – and ultimately, it's not going to last forever. You're going to lose eventually, and this felt like the game to the Bruins. Um, you know, the Bruins have proved that they can contend with the top teams in the NHL. There's no secret about that. The only thing that worries about me with the Bruins is how inconsistent they could be. You know, they've won two in a row. They beat Pittsburgh and St. Louis back-to-back. But before that, they lost three in a row, Washington, St. Louis, and Ottawa. Those are teams you can't lose to, you know, going forward, especially when the playoffs are coming here. You can't afford to lose three in a row in the playoffs. That just can't happen. Um, I'm not surprised that they beat the Blues because they could beat just about anybody in the NHL on any given night. But, you know, inconsistency could hurt them going into the postseason. There you go. I agree. Um, I think the Bruins are one of the best teams in the NHL. Them beating another one of the best teams in the NHL. Doesn't even slightly surprise me. I've touched on it earlier. The Minnesota Wild didn't lose really. I mean, they were a little ahead of the Blues before the nine-game winning streak. But basically, just because the Wild had like a loss or two mixed in there doesn't mean that they were also trash during that time. And they won on a night that the Blues did finally lose. So they did make up the two points that the Blues did gain on them on the first time that the Blues lost in nine. So I think the two teams are pretty evenly matched. The Wild blew a 3-1 lead and allowed – the Blues to win in like the first five minutes of or the first five seconds of overtime the last time they played. But, you know, they're outstanding, and I can't wait to watch them play a seven-game series in the playoffs. Um, I am going to give you a list of six teams, six out of 32, and you are going to tell me if I named the Stanley Cup champion, like, would you bet $1,000 that I named the Stanley Cup champion? There will be some notable omissions, but I have reasons for omitting them, which we could touch on after. And they could also probably be a reason why you say no to this question. Would you bet $1,000 on not taking the field in favor of the Florida Panthers, Toronto Maple Leafs, Carolina Hurricanes, Boston Bruins, Colorado Avalanche, and Calgary Flames. Yeah. I would. There are two teams that I omitted, or three teams that I 
I omitted that I thought you might give me a hard time for. Because okay. if you throw these three teams in there, then I think you for sure named the Stanley Cup champion. Go for it. Those three teams are the St. Louis Blues, the Minnesota Wild, and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I don't know. I I think you, the teams you named originally were there. There were just too many good teams in there. Not to say that one of them are going to win it. I don't yeah. think it's the Lightning's year. I'm not banking on them winning three in a row. It's hard to win one, let alone two in a row, let alone three in a row. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the wild year. I talked about how getting flurry. I don't think that's going to make a difference and they're just going to automatically win the cup. I don't think it's the wild year. And I just don't see the blues doing it either. I think one of the teams that you named originally, I think it's their year and you, you named two of the top teams who are contending for the president's trophy. So how can I not say that it's going to be one of them? I think you named the Stanley cup winner. All right. See, I think the lightning blues or wild could absolutely win it. Yeah, they could, but I just don't but- see it. The Blues play the Wild in the first round. Mm-hmm. So one of them's gone by the time the second round even starts. So that's why I purposely left both of them off and included some of the other ones. Um, I agree with you. I would take those two teams. I'm a little biased towards the Wild. I watch them a lot. Um, so like I feel like I see something that I haven't seen in a Wild team. Because I've watched the Wild. Sometimes when you watch the team a lot, you like pick up patterns like, hey, this team looks a little different than it always has. But, you know, I've you know, i seen the best Blues team of all time. That's not it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Um, Absolutely. I think that, yeah, you guarantee you probably named it. Yeah, definitely I named it with those nine. I would bet everything I own that I named it with those nine. And, and you got to think, too, the matchups, too. Um, Colorado and Florida. I mean, they're never going to play each other unless they're in the Stanley Cup final. So the ma- and the matchups that the teams you named have a better chance of progressing to further rounds of the playoffs. Ultimately, that's what's going to win the cup is who gets further, obviously. And yeah, them not having to play each other, they have more ways to get to the finals. Whereas the blue plays the Blues play the Wild. And, like you said, they're eliminated right away. So I think one of the six you named or seven you named are going to, whatever, win the cup. Sure. I like that. Um, is there a hockey story that you would like to share with everyone? Yeah. Um, the other day, or was it yesterday? Maybe two days ago? I, I don't know. Recently, Steven Stamkos tied Martin St. Louis with 953 points for the Tampa Bay Lightning to tie the franchise record of all time. We know Stamkos is going to shatter that record. He's only 32 years old. It shows you how great of a player that he is, that he's going to be the, pretty soon tonight. Do they play tonight? Whenever. Whenever they play next, there's a good chance that he will become the sole point-scoring leader in Tampa Bay Lightning franchise history. And I just thought that was so cool. I've watched Steven Stamkos play ever since I've watched hockey. And I used to be back in the day before I knew very much about hockey. I would play the NHL video games. I would always choose the Tampa Bay lightning. Cause I liked the logo. I ho- like the whole idea of lightning and Steven Stamkos was one of those guys that, you know, you think of the franchise and you think of Steven Stamkos at least back in the day, maybe not so much now because you got Victor Hedman and Kucherov and Vasilevsky but Tampa Bay or uh, Steven Stamkos was one of those figures that when you thought of Tampa Bay, you thought of him, and it just 
proves to you how much he's done over the course of his career when he's gonna he's closing in on a thousand points with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he's about to be the um, sole leader of points for the franchise. And we know how great Mar Marty St. Louis was. Um, so, yeah. Steven Stamkos is one of the best players to play in the NHL in the last 20 years. I believe he will go to the Hall of Fame. Um, I actually, I think it's a lock that he goes mm -hmm. to the Hall of Fame. He's going to have over 1,000 points. He'll reach 1,000 games. He's got two Stanley Cup championships as a captain. Like, Stamkos and is a bona fide Hall of Famer. And, I, and something else I didn't mention, too, he's a great leader. Yeah. He's a great leader to have in that locker room. And his dedication to hockey has been paramount to his career because of the fact that he broke his leg that one October. I, I think it was mm -hmm. Veterans Day. Maybe it was November. But it was like years, early in the ago. season. It, yeah, it was 2014. I think what? it was 13-14. No. It was yeah, it was the 13 It was eight years season. already? That feels like three years ago. Yeah, because remember, he, made it, he wanted to make it back for the Olympics. And he didn't. But that's the last Holy time NHL smoke. players went to the Olympics. So if it was in November, it was still 2013. Um, wow. Wow. Yeah, his resiliency to come back from literally a broken – I think it was a broken fibula. I mean, that bone snapped in half on the goalpost. It's post. not easy to come back from. It's not. And he, he wasn't, like, purely dominant when he first returned. Like, it took him a while to have that confidence that you need to skate in the NHL without re-injuring himself. So, and then he had a blood clot going into that one playoff season. I want to say it was 2015. Um, and then he ended up making it back. Uh, there was the year where they made it to the conference finals and he wasn't able to play against the Penguins, but then he played and he scored and then left the game. Like it, it, the Stamkos' career, the numbers that he has despite some injuries are remarkable. fantastic. And, yeah, so I'm a huge Stephen Stamkos fan. Um, I remember when he was the first overall pick, like it was between him and Drew Doughty, I believe, and, like, both teams just got Hall of Famers that would win multiple yeah. championships with them. You mm -hmm. know, I believe Doughty and Stamkos each have two Stanley Cups. So, like, you know, these are Hall of Fame outstanding players. I love Stamkos. My story of the week revolves around a guy that I believe could reach a similar apex to Stephen Stamkos, and that is one Alexander Barkov. He is legitimately one of my favorite players in the entire National Hockey League to watch. Um, I stand by my sentiment from two summers ago where I said if I was redrafting the entire league for 10 years, like so age has to be taken into consideration, Barkov would have been my fifth overall pick. Um, I stood by, I stand by it. I'm looking pretty good with my assessment. Um, he's outstanding. And yesterday he had a hat trick to cap off a huge victory. And, you know, he scored both goals and then the overtime winner for the hat trick, and they won 3-2. to two. And he's in the 80s for points despite some injuries. He'd probably be in the 90s, close to 100s, had that not happened. Um, the Panthers are good, and it's all a lot to do with Huberto and a lot to do with Barkov. And both of them are just outstanding players, and I love watching them. And the reason I kind of made Barkov like my story of the week is because I'm not sure he's appreciated as much as a Stamkos, a Crosby, a Malkin, Kane, McDavid, Matthews. Like some of these top guys that we hear on NHL Network every single day, 
I want Barkov in that conversation as much as the next guy, and he deserves it because he's just one of the best players in the NHL now, and there's no denying it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's electric. I mean, and the, the Panthers really owe a lot of their sex, success to him and Huberto and, you know, everybody else on the team. Um, it's just a great pickup to have for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I, I love watching him. Um are there any sports stories that are outside of hockey that you'd like to share with? Think, yeah, one that blew my in? mind. Yeah, one that blew my mind. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier. I, I was going to save it, but the Pelicans beat the Suns in game two by 11 points. The 36 and 46 Pelicans, 10 games under 500, the worst team in the NBA playoffs, beat the best record team. I don't know if they're necessarily the best team, but they have the best record. They beat them by 11 points yesterday, which is just insane. I thought if any uh, series smelled like a sweep, that was the one, in my opinion. Um, To me, it was just crazy. Now, Devin Booker did get hurt late in the third quarter, but I'm not using that as an excuse because Suns had a lead in the fourth quarter. The Suns were down six when Booker got injured, and they battled back and had a lead but then they just couldn't make shots and the Pelicans players came to play and um, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, they were just knocking down baskets. There was a rookie on the Pelicans who was just made back-to-back threes, I believe. And Val, Val Tunis or whatever, he was playing great. It was crazy. I, I couldn't believe my eyes, let alone to beat him, but beat him by 11 points. It was just shocking. Yeah. No doubt about it. That's a great story. Um, I'm very interested in the NBA playoffs. I will be watching the Chicago Bulls take on the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, in addition to all my hockey that I'm watching. And, of course, the White Sox are going to cap off the second half of this doubleheader. I'm not sure the exact start time of the second game. They're getting killed 10-1. to They put in a bunch of backups, I think, in order to have the big boy lineup fresh for game two. That kind of reversed plans. They were kind of going 50-50. So I'll be watching the second White Sox game after this monstrosity is over. Hopefully they can split and in the day with a seven and four record, I think everybody would sign up for that with ease, even though Tristan McKenzie versus Jimmy Lambert is another pitching matchup that favors the Guardians. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I also wanted to talk about I'm writing a story for DeWindyCity.com. It's a mock draft and I'm mock drafting all of the Bears possible first round selections in the 2022 NFL draft, which takes place one week from tomorrow the 28th of April, and I'm very excited about it. Um, there, So I'm doing this mock draft, right? And I came across this prospect. His name is Justin Ross. He's a wide receiver from Clemson. Justin Ross um, was one of their top wide receivers in 2019 when they won the national championship and they beat Notre Dame and Alabama to win it. You might remember. Um, yeah, I can't remember if that was a Trevor Lawrence year or a Deshaun Watson year. It probably was a Deshaun Watson year in 2018. No, no 2019. Oh, it was Trevor Lawrence. Um, anyway, in the, was 100% uh, ahead of the yeah, ahead of the 2020 season, he realized that he had a very bad spinal condition that required surgery. And if the surgery didn't go well, he's never playing football ever again. 
and he could seriously injure himself if he doesn't have the surgery and continue to play football. He realized that during practice when he had a stinger that was unlike any other stinger he ever had and that Clemson protocol, you know, forced him to like take some x-rays of his neck and whatnot. And he came back last year and was pretty dang good. But this thing is scaring some NFL teams off. He was primed to be a first-round pick after, you know, once he was eligible after that first year with Clemson. And then all the time off and the injury, he's projected to go anywhere between the third and fifth round now. And I mocked the Bears to take him in the fifth, but I kind of am looking – I hope they take him earlier than that now. I'm being dead serious. Like, he could be one of the true wild cards – in the NFL draft right now. I mean, if he has this first round talent and he's healthy and he can create Mitch match, mix, excuse me, mismatches like that, uh, you see on the screen right now, you can Google YouTube clips of his game against, it looks like I can't, oh, it's the Louisville Cardinals. Um, you could check out highlights of that if you're listening to the podcast version. This kid is unbelievable. Yeah, I'm highlights and I'm writing about him. I'm looking at his stats. I'm learning his history about how his mom and family were on the phone when he was receiving this bad news that he might never get to play football again. And now I'm like, listen, if this guy can be a first round talent receiver taken in the fourth or fifth round, those are the kind of dogs that Justin Fields needs right now. So I'm very excited about the NFL draft. I've been studying it heavily in the last two days, and I'm really excited to share some of my work with the folks at TheWindyCity.com. That was a very interesting story. Yeah, Justin Ross, Clemson. I'll be listening for his name hard once the NFL drafted. You won't hear his name on Thursday because he's not going to be a first-round pick. The Chicago Bears don't even have a pick on the first day. I'm basically watching the damn draft to see who Tom gets, who New England gets, all the other teams that I kind of cheer for on the side, see if any U-Dog, NIU dogs get drafted in any of the seven rounds. Um, and so we could talk about it on this show. But in terms of the Bears, it's really in day two when they have two picks. One of them, I believe one of them came back to them in the Anthony Miller trade, and they, there's a Khalil Mack pick that they got back in there, a fourth, I think. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the draft a lot. I love all drafts. I even watch the NBA draft. It's only two rounds. I watch every draft. I love it. It's my favorite. Seeing guys' dreams come true, seeing all every team in the building at the same time. Uh, we learned today that the NHL draft lottery is May 10th, by the way. Huge, all right. Huge news for that. Me and, you are, that? me and you are going to be like, let's go. And then Joey's going to be like, don't care. My team's in the second round. What, um, is that, uh, what day is that? May 10th. I, I don't know. I have no idea what day. It's. 20 Thursday, days from, it's 20 days from today, so Tuesday. very much looking Tuesday. forward to the NHL Tuesday. draft lottery. I hope the Devils win and the Blackhawks. No, that'll be I great think. for uh, that'll be great for the podcast on the 11th. It's a Tuesday, the 10th. Oh, very good. I actually hope the Blackhawks don't win it. I want them to get Bedard. I know we disagree there, but I want Bedard on the Hawks. I, I want to be able they could guarantee me getting this pick. I want to guarantee. I, I understand, I do. But if if Bedard is a 30-minute ride to the United Center away every three nights, I'm in. So we'll see what happens, though. It's going to be fun for all of us no matter what because I cheer on the Hawks when they're not playing the Devils. You know that. Um, it's going to be fun to keep a part of. Is there anything non-sports related that you're going to be hanging on to this weekend? 
watching, playing, um, let the people know what about app trigger, all that shit. Yeah, app trigger. You guys can read my articles on app trigger. I cover just about anything from sports to RPGs to shooter. I mean, you name it, I I cover it. I've been covering a lot of Lego Star Wars. I know literally everybody and their grandma has been obsessed with Elden Ring. Literally, that's been the most popular popular game. I'm probably probably to picture my grandma playing Elden Ring. It's probably going to be game of the year. Um, oh, yeah. That's my pick right now. Maybe we could discuss that later on in the year of game of the year candidates and stuff. Mm. Um, I think it's going to win probably hands down Lego star Wars has been a lot of fun. So if you want good content, you want content about, you know, Madden NHL, any other games really you could follow me on app trigger. Um, or just not follow me on that. You guys know what I mean? Read but, um, shit, y'all. But, um, as far as what I'm going to be watching, non-sports related, Wednesday's my night for or, uh, for Moon Knight. That's my night. I look forward to it every Wednesday. I haven't really done that with any other Marvel shows. Normally, I would just catch up when I can, but it seems like every Wednesday night, it's the perfect time. I'll sit down tonight and watch the episode of Moon Knight. And uh, I've been watching a lot of Clone Wars I'm on season two now of Clone Wars. Season two got good. I I mean, they say season one is like poorly written. It was intended for children. It was in, I mean, it, yeah, they're still intended for children, you know, as the seasons go on. Um, season one, you know, you could tell it was a children's show. You're going to realize as the seasons go along that the producers and directors started to realize, Hey, the kids actually aren't watching this. The freaking 23 year olds are watching this. So let's mm -hmm. gear it towards them. And they did. And season, season eight, season eight is like a star Wars movie. So some people say the last arc in Clone Wars, which is whatever the final season, that last few episodes is some of the best in Star Wars, like combined. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The story um, of Ahsoka Tano is one of my favorite stories in all of Star Wars. And that's why I was so stoked. You're caught up on Mando. Yeah. And Boba. No. I'm gonna shut the hey, I'm gonna shut I'm, the H up then. I'm watching this. I'm trying to catch up on everything, Star Wars shows, so then I could watch Boba, I could watch Rebels, I could watch uh, all that stuff. Um, Bad Batch. So you I just mean want to, to get tell me you had the unmitigated gall to make fun of me for missing three episodes of Moon Knight? Yeah, but you're listen, all of that behind. Yeah, but you're now you're talking about Star Wars and Marvel. I'm caught up on Marvel. Yeah, well, I'm caught up on Star Wars. All right, you. I didn't know you watched Clone Wars. Oh, dude, I, I didn't see every single episode, but like all the important arcs, the stuff I needed to see for Bad Batch and uh, Boba, like that. Uh, Disney Plus. I don't know if it's still on there, but Disney Plus created like a a Boba Fett playlist, and I watched them. Oh, I don't like know the episodes you need to know in order to watch Boba Fett. Like it was like a playlist on Disney Listen, Plus. My Listen. plan. Because I've been watching it with G. Um, my plan is to have everything, all Star Wars, well, Marvel, like I said, I'm already caught up on Marvel. I'm just waiting for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness to come out because by that time, Moon Knight will be over. But my plan is to have everything Star Wars done in relation, I'm talking about the shows because we're done with the movies by Kenobi. There because you know. that's my goal. That's why I started Clone Wars. I want. 
everything fresh in my mind. I want to watch Clone Wars. I want to watch Rebels. I want to watch Bad Batch. And I want to watch Boba leading into Kenobi. And it'll just be great. And then I'll be caught up on everything. And I'll probably start Potter with her. Ooh, there you so. go. That's exciting. I know uh, we're big Breaking Bad fans on this show, too. I know Better Call Saul's new season, I'm pretty sure, just dropped. And some people were going crazy yeah, over it. I so I got to. I got to get into that, too. Better Call Saul, shout out Breaking Bad, Walter White. And speaking of all that, Frankie Mueller is going to try and fatten your wallets in everybody's favorite podcast segment of the week, Breaking Bets. Welcome to Breaking Bets. Frank, the floor is yours. All right. So last week, we had a pretty decent week. We went two for three. I believe Joey went three for three. So maybe it's a good idea to listen to us yep. in some of these. Uh, and I didn't know Joey wasn't going to be here today. So just it's weird that I had four picks today. I had like an extra pick. And normally I go at three. And it's like my mind knew he wasn't going to be here. So I had to throw in an extra one just to you know add to the content. So I'm going to start off with the NBA. We're in playoff NBA form. Um, it's been a blast to watch. I saw some really good games in the NBA so far. I saw a game-winning buzzer beater by Jason Tatum to lift the Celtics past the Nets in game one. That was sick. I saw the Pelicans upset the Suns. Um, I've seen a 1-1 series between the Timberwolves and the Grizzlies, which has been really enjoyable to watch. I mean, we're in the thick of it right now. First round's underway, and I love how much playoff basketball we've got going on. So I got two playoff basketball picks for you. The first one, the line the other night for the Bulls and the Bucks, I believe, was 10.5, and, and tonight it's 10. That is four possessions. Um, I You got to give the Bulls more credit. I know they, they've been injury-plagued. They've come into the playoffs on a bit of a lull. Um but 10 points, come on. This is playoff basketball. I think they're going to keep it close once again, just like they did the other night. And I think one of these games are going to steal one. And they're going to be big dogs every game, maybe not as big when they come home. But 10 points here on a game that possibly maybe they could win, uh, I think you got to take it. It's minus 110. Normally, teams like to bounce back in game two. You saw the Grizzlies win game two after losing uh, game one. You saw the Pelicans win game two after losing game one, just it's like teams are more fired up in the second game. So getting basically the same amount of points you got in your first game, take the 10 points. Um, I, cause I definitely wouldn't want to take it the other way. Also speaking of teams coming out hot in the second game, I love the nets plus three. You're going to get the nets at plus three at minus one Oh five. Listen, I'm not rooting for the nets by any means. I'd like to see the Celtics win. Um, but it's just the self, the Nets seem like they have too good of a team to be held down and go down 2-0 in this series. Um, I think it's going to go back to the um, Barclays Center tied 1-1 in the series. With that being said, take the three just to be safe. You never know. Just like the other night when the Tatum won it for the Celtics on a game winner, you would have won if you had the plus three. So... Take the plus three. There's probably a good chance they went outright, but don't be greedy here. Just take the three, minus 105. Another game I really like, the Cubs play the Tampa Bay Rays. I think there's great value on the Cubs tonight at plus 100. What you bet is what you get here. Um, 
plus 100. I think it's going to be a rebound for Stroman, um, who got lit up by the Rockies. I just think now you're coming back home um, after being in Colorado. Um, you're coming back home to Wrigley Field. I don't even know, to be honest with you, who's pitching for the Rays. It was like Ras Rasmus somebody. Oh, Rasmussen. Rasmussen. He's he's yeah, gonna he's gonna be their opener. Um, yeah, Rasmussen. Listen, this is great value on the Cubs. Cubs have been playing better than I thought they were gonna be. I'll take him at plus one hundred after splitting the series. By the way, the the Cubs won the first game, Rays won the second game. If the Cubs were to win yesterday, if the Cubs were 2-0 and in this series coming into this game, it's hard to sweep any team, I'd probably say take the Rays. But Cubs plus 100 at home, rebound for Stroman, just got, it's got the makes of all, the works of all that, whatever. Um, I would take the Cubs plus 100, money line. My final pick, this is very interesting. The Giants play the Mets. You got two strikeout machines on the mound. You got Carlos Rodon and you got Chris Bassett. They, if you look at their their games this year so far, they've been striking out. I what did Rodon have twelve strikeouts one game or something? It was Rodon just insane. Is and Bassett had like nine strikeouts. His WHIP is under one. Both of them might their WHIP might be under one, and WHIP is a key stat when looking at like over and unders. I thought the under over for the first five innings was going to be three because that's what it was yesterday with Scherzer on the mound. It's three and a half, which is even better. It went. There were three runs yesterday, and I think today is an even better pitching matchup. You could get it under three and a half at minus one thirty. To me, you can't pass out on that. I don't see there being four runs at all with these pitchers on the mound, especially at the rate they strike out batters. No, you got to take it under three and a half at minus one thirty. Those are my picks for you. Hopefully, some of these picks win for you guys. There you go. Those are outstanding picks. I'm very interested to see how those work out, especially the baseball ones. And speaking of baseball, tomorrow's Crosstown Crosstalk, 2 p.m. It's not going to be live because your boy is having a procedure on his tooth. Going to be probably a little little under. Um, Not looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to presenting everybody with a great show. Talking White Sox, Cubs, Major League Baseball, all that sort of jazz. Um going to be a good time and the barroom network is chop fully loaded with uh outstanding sports and entertainment coverage like you heard right here on this show talking baseball football hockey basketball uh pop culture um hopefully the white Sox can win the second game of this doubleheader so i cannot be just in a complete outrage the rest of the night um frank you got anything left to get off your chest before we send these people out of here happy and healthy um, no, I do want to know from Skox if he could, if he's still here, how the, how he liked the new episode of Moon Knight. I saw he typed that he just finished it and appears to be fire from what I see, but I want to, want to know how much, um, how much he really enjoyed it. But yeah. anyway, that's all I got to say. So, so I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to, I think you would think tomorrow after my, uh, little deal with the tooth is going to be an ideal day to throw on some moon night and just sit there and watch it. So we'll see what I'm able to do. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch And I know that the barroom network has a mock draft show tonight. It's going to be so fun to, uh, pay attention to that. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what the guys have to say about the upcoming draft. You could read my mock draft on the windy city, 
tomorrow. Um, King Pookie Nation's putting in the chat that all a all East Coast teams got rained out. Yeah, it's not too surprising. Uh, some not great weather across baseball. I, I some of these results too. I like to take with a grain of salt because you're not playing in like typical baseball conditions all the time. Um, when May starts to roll around, I think we're really going to start to be able to separate the great teams from the mediocre teams to the bad teams. But in hockey, things are really starting to get good. So I really highly recommend people catching up with what's going on in the NHL and being completely ready for the playoffs because they're coming sooner than later. And I'm very excited to have this show go. This is the show's first full season, but it's our second Stanley Cup playoffs and some of the stuff that I have planned for these people with the content around it, I'm so excited about it. So I can't thank everybody in the chat enough for watching, whether it's Scox, Aldo, King Pookie, Skylar. I don't even, is Skylar here at all today? I don't yeah, recall. He was. he was. He was here? Okay. So thank, you, thank you for listening. Um, I appreciate everybody who was in the chat watching, all those watching at home that might have not thrown a comment. It means Shout a lot out to Greg. Me. Shout out, Greg. Absolutely. Great stuff. Um it's going to be so fun. What's up, Skylar? What's up, man? I'm, I'm wearing this for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tom getting, was here. We're getting well soon. Tom, thank you. Everybody in the chat, it's going to be a good time. Um, I'll be back on Monday. South Burbs Hitman better than ever. Crosstown is already a foregone conclusion. But, you know, it's going to be a good time. I'm very much looking forward to the weather getting nice. It's going to be a nice Saturday. So I hope everybody enjoys it safe. In honor of the great Pat Foley episode, we have some a little way to close out the show with some career highlights of his. As always, we hope you enjoyed the broadcast. We know you enjoyed the outcome. Bouncing one over the leaf line. Murphy picked out of midair to Amani. Set him up. Rodick. to center for Taves. He got a breakaway. Taves to win the game. Hawks win. Hawks win. Jonathan Taves found the puck at center ice. And the Blackhawks have captured the victory on the road and can close it out Sunday at home. Jonathan Taves, the backhand winner. He Taves up the ice and he steamrolls ahead. Dreisaitl is going to get to the net. He's centered at home. Kane had jumped away, but Tay has carried on, trying to beat a check. He did. Tay's driving. Kocek, Kane is Bowling sends Kane into the zone. Patrick Kane, a spin around, a backhand, he scores! Patrick Kane putting on a show on St. Patty's weekend for Savoy Fair, and it's 8-1. Side Lysia to Yeremchuk, bumped in the in the far circle, now Lysiak moving in the shot, Milos Riva, they score! Hawks win! Hawks win! Daryl Sutter 
ends the game in overtime. Hawks win. To Letty, to Kane, centered it. Here's Oduya, turn it in front, and bounces the score. The Hawks have tied it up. Marion Hosa, after it seemed to hit Sean, and then you went to Hosa. 2.1, and it's 2-2. Can you believe that? Kane dropped it to Taze. Got away from Gessler, cuts it with a shot. Last, look at this. Loose to Bickle, he wins the game! Brian Bickle! Victor Stolberg kicked a clearing attempt to him. Bickle powered it home. The Hawks win, and the series is tied. Steal one on the road. Let's find out. Here's Leopold, whose rink wide is picked off by Boland, stepping in, lad to the net. Boland, the late man, Hamlet, the shot is Every tonight's number one star of the game, we go back to the television broadcast booth and Eddie Olchek. Well, we all know who the number one star of this game is here tonight. <laughs> Pat, the respect from all those players out there, all of these great Blackhawk fans. We thank you for 39 years. And I'm going to hand you a glass here, and I want everybody else, the players will salute you, the great Blackhawk fans at home. <laughs> 39 years of cheer to the great Pat Foley. Oh, this is going to taste good. <laughs> My two favorite words, Hawks win! Hawks win!